Welcome to Kingdom Living. I'm Brooke Ashley. I'm Justin Stacy. And I'm Justin Bowling. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, so this week we are continuing our Advent journey, and we decided to do a Advent Q&A. And so I, I have been posting, trying to get some feedback from our listeners on questions uh -oh. they might have about Advent. And we actually did come up so with I, a group of questions. I'm nervous because I realized I don't know a whole lot about the origins and stuff of Advent. Like, <laughs> so if we, if we, there wasn't a lot of questions about the origins actually. Now I did, I did find an article from Franciscan media. So it's a Catholic yeah. site, but it actually has a lot of the history of, of Advent and stuff. So if, if we wanted to address any of that, I've got the information here and I'll just read from the website. Because so, I, I don't know the origin That's either. Cheating. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, like, I'm 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 going to have to research this some more. So I think we table it. And I mean, all I know about it is that Advent we we see it first appearing in Christianity about the sixth century in Germany, and but that that's that's about all I know. Yeah, according so. here, the the first mention of the Advent season is in the uh, the fourth canon of the council of saragossa in the year 380 so then the sources i have are fourth wrong. century fourth century <laughs> yeah and then the sixth century as you mentioned uh it says the 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 synod of tours established a december fast and tied it to advent so you know it it, it evolved as it went along i guess but, like um, every good thing does. Exactly. That's how it is. Exactly. It's like a mustard seed is the kingdom of God. Yep. That's right. All right. So let's just dive right into these. Um, so the first question that we had is, why is Advent important? Good generic vague question, right? Ooh. Why is Advent important? Well, I'll take a stab at this. I mean, for me personally, and, and I think, um, so the beginning of Advent is the beginning of the Christian year. And I think it's really important to understand that those happen. So when you're thinking about the Christian liturgical year, New Year's is the first week of Advent. So you have Christ the King Sunday, um, which is the end of the Christian liturgical year where we celebrate the kingship of, of Christ, right? And then you start in on Advent, which is the preparation for the coming of Christ. So it's the brand new year. And I think for me, coming from a non-liturgical setting, um, this was really hard for me to understand. Like, I just thought there were these random like holidays, but there, if you see the calendar in whole, I mean, it's about this spiritual journey, right? And so, you end up here at the top with Christ the King Sunday. And then in Advent, we're looking at what we need to do to prepare for the coming of Christ. 
I mean, there's a lot of emphasis put on baby Christ, right? Baby Jesus. Um, but it's also about the second coming of Christ. And that's not to be a scary thing, um, or at least it's not intended to be a scary thing. Um, so for me, you know, thinking about what the four Sundays in Advent is, peace, love, hope, and joy, um, I think we hold that intention. We're reminded that even in a broken world where things are not peaceful or hopeful or, you know, that those are the tenets of following Christ. Like there's a promise of that coming. Um, so I think that's one of the important parts of Advent. So. Yeah. And I think it's hard to answer that question without actually answering the question of why is the liturgical calendar important? You know, because mm -hmm. to me, the liturgical calendar is kind of like going through a play. So we have a, a whole year to get through this play. And, we, you know, we have the beginning and the end and we have, you know, the, the climax and we're going through it every year. We're, we're reliving, reenacting the cycle of Christianity. And... I just, I think it's beautiful. Number one, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing to do. And it's one of the things that immediately drawn me in to the Episcopal church when I started attending the, the Sunday services, because in, in my mind, when, when I was seeing the same thing over and over, I was like, this is a play. This is what this is. And, and to me, there's just this overarching theme in liturgy of a play. So I, that's how I would describe it. And, and I think that's, it's a beautiful way to look at it too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really like that too. Like the idea that, like, like you said, we, we, we know that, you know, Easter has already happened. Christ has already risen from the dead. We know what's going to happen at the end, but that's not yet. And you, so you put yourself back in the shoes of the people who are waiting for Christ to come the first time they know what's going to happen. They know that Messiah is coming, but not yet. And so while we're waiting for the second coming, we can put ourselves in the shoes of those people that were in the same position and see what it feels like. And, you know, like put ourselves like, you know, because sometimes we can put our, we want to put ourselves on our own timeline. Like mm -hmm. we want this to happen now, but it's God's timeline that we're on. And so we need to be patient and live out our lives as if we're waiting and, you know, kind of going through that play again and again, like you said, I really like that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the liturgical calendar, and there's a really great graphic, and I'll see if I can find it, that shows it in a circle, and it has it divided and color-coded, and it talks about the, in, you know, talks about different things, and, you know, the majority of the year we spend in ordinary time, you know, yeah. which is really where the most growth comes, and if you think about even in any relationship, you have high moments, like, you know, if you get married, your wedding day is a huge celebration. You celebrate that anniversary every year, but you can't be at your wedding every day of your life, you know, so you have to do that. So there's, there's another great graphic that shows this almost like a sign curve, like, you know, cross the King Sunday starts way up high. And then during Advent, you come down and then you have the birth of Christ and it shoots back up. And then, you know, and so there, there's these high holy days, um, so I'm sorry, I, I didn't think we were doing trig today. I wasn't prepared for. I know, uh, right? <laughs> so, what is X? <laughs> the Holy Spirit? I don't know. <laughs> um, but but that's a great question. 
Yeah. No. I thought it was too. A great question. So, so let guess... me ask you this. Okay. How does, when you started, because both of you came from traditions like mine where we didn't grow up yeah. celebrating Advent. How did, when you started celebrating Advent, how did that change for you the celebration of Christmas? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. How did that change? <laughs> so I'll go first. Yeah, go so, ahead. I, was, I don't want to preempt one of your earlier questions, but I do have an answer, but I don't want to preempt a question that's coming up. So, I'll oh, so for me, um, I think, and, and maybe it's a gender thing. So we know that for most families, all the preparation for Christmas, maybe not all of it, really falls on the shoulders of the woman, right? Like the keeper of the calendar, all of that. Like, I mean, I think that's fair. So when I would get so caught up in the busyness of Christmas, Advent would pull me back to what was actually happening. And so Advent took the pressure off of me about Christmas Day. And it became a journey and a process instead of Christmas Day being done. Like all this preparation for four hours on Christmas morning and then it's done. Like it's not a letdown anymore, you know, for me. Like we're preparing for that. And it changed the way I looked at everything. Decorating. Um, and I was con I'm constantly remembering that we're preparing you know, for the coming of Christ. And that's why we have the lights out. And that's why we, you know, I mean, that's why we do what we do. Um, so for me, that was, that was a big thing. Yeah, I, I think that kind of nails exactly what I was going to say, because like, it, it's that idea of like, you, you think of the song of the, the 12 days of Christmas song, everybody thinks it's like, you know, the, the 13th to the 25th, you know, like that's the 12 days of Christmas. It's not, no, it starts yeah. on the 25th. That's when it starts. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's when Christmas starts is the 25th. And so like, I, I'm from a tradition in the Catholic church to where we don't play any Christmas songs until Christmas day. Everything above then is Advent songs, which is usually, I think we talked about last time, the same song over and over again, because I'll come and Emmanuel is the one everybody loves. But yeah, you know, I'll come and the long expected Jesus is one we should have had more often, but we don't. <laughs> but just, but yeah, like that, that, that patience on waiting for Christmas to come. And like you said, like there's not as much pressure about getting your Christmas tree up because it's going to be up now from Christmas day until epiphany. It's, it's going to be up past Christmas. And so, yeah, that, that waiting, that patience that, you know, we know what's coming, but it's not here yet. And that actually being realized in my life is, I think is how it's changed. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I wanted to say is that it, it changed the way that I looked at Christmas in that I'm, I'm not seeing Christmas as just one day anymore. Number one, mm -hmm. And the, even though I stay in the Christmas spirit during this time, and I, I love decorations, love the Christmas music, I love all of that, it's not, the, it's not the same. I'm not in the same mind frame of this is just, going, this is just representing the one day, and then, then you turn it off, and you're done. Now it's, it's a process. It's mm -hmm. leading up to that day, but that day actually spans from the 25th 12 days. And so Advent puts me in that mind frame. 
And not only that, but Advent also makes me remember or makes me focus, makes me have that future remembrance to where I'm looking for the second coming as well. Whereas I never focused on that ever before I knew anything about Advent. So So one of my all-time favorite Christmas seasons as a parent came when we did an advent calendar and I think I told you about this before with our kids it was a big shoe thing on the back of the door and there was a scripture with every and there was a small package I mean you know my kids were little so like a pack of bubbles or whatever um I did try to kind of match them with the scriptures and then I got too overwhelmed with that but but that year um we did things really different my parents gave us a gift to uh their gift to us was one of their timeshare condos and so we went there a couple days before Christmas and then we stayed longer so what we actually did was the advent calendar and then we celebrated the 12 days of Christmas so the kids got their big their big gift um on Christmas day and then every day of the 12 days of Christmas they got another gift which I mean it was simple things like Abby she's probably gonna hate me for saying this but um she absolutely loves baths and she was like eight or nine ten something like that I can't really remember how old she was so we bought this like massive thing of glow sticks and gave her a glow stick bath and so like broke all the glow sticks and filled the tub with bubbles and water and you know the glow sticks and she still talks about that you know, so, and it was experience-based and some, some religious kind of things, but it's kind of been, when I look back, it's one of my favorite Christmases, you know, um, so for what it's worth, that was my story time. No, that's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. So I guess, uh, we can move on to a next question and that is how many days is Advent and why is there a set number of days? So there's not. Right. <laughs> there's a set number of weeks, <laughs> set number of Sundays. Yes, there's four Sundays of Advent. There is not a set number of days. This is not Lent to where the number of days is consistent. Advent is a set number of Sundays. It's four Sundays before Christmas. So like if Sunday's on a, make sure I say this right, Sunday's on a Monday. I mean, Christmas is on a Monday. Then Advent is short yeah. that year. But yeah, if Christmas is on a Sunday, it's a very long Advent. So this year is one of the longer Advents because Christmas is on Saturday. So it's not as long as it could be, but, um, and it has to, again, the liturgical calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the next question is, are there any biblical justifications for Advent? And, I'm guessing this one, this the one hurts my there, head. Yeah, I'm guessing the question there is: Is there any scripture-backed reasons we celebrate Advent? My honestly, my question then is: Is there any scripture-backed reasons we celebrate Christmas? Yes. Well, I'm, so I mean, there's a lot of things that we celebrate in the church that there's not a scriptural. I mean, there's nothing in scripture that tells like us how to celebrate Easter or Lent, or yeah. any of those things. These are things that the church tradition has created for us to help yes. us draw us closer 
to God, you know, I mean, so there are traditions that throw all that, you know, they throw it all out and they say it's hogwash or whatever. Um, but no, there's nothing. I mean, you, you've got to think about when this, when the scriptures were being written. I mean, we didn't really have a time to develop traditions. It's not like Jesus said, Hey, listen, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to come back to life in 50 days. I'm going to send you the, or the 40, I'm going to send you the Holy spirit. And every year I want you to celebrate this and this and this and this and this and remember it. He didn't do that. He did give us the commandment to remember. And this is how the church has created those things to remember. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Like, I mean, I feel like there's two situations that question can kind of come out of. One is if, the situation where somebody celebrates all these other things and then ask about this thing they don't celebrate and like, well, before I do that, I need something biblical to back it up before I do it. And yeah, like you said, like Christmas altar calls, all these other things we do during church that aren't directly scriptural mandated. Those are all there too. And most of the time it comes out of there. The second one is like somebody who's refuses to do anything and they're pretty consistent about it. Like that isn't scripturally directly backed. But at that point, you do become like Cromwellian England to where you're banning Christmas, you're banning altar calls, you're banning all these other things that like literally you can't, if you can't find it literally mentioned in scripture, then you ban that. But that's that's kind of problematic because that means you ban, <laughs> you know, so many other things that can be used to bring people towards Christ. Like, I mean, it really does. If, if, if we were to do that, it really creates house churches again. Yeah. I mean, we don't see in scripture people in large numbers worshiping on a weekly basis. Yeah, because all know. the only time scripture was written was when Christianity was illegal in the Roman Empire, and so the house churches was, was all you could do. So there's no scriptural example of how you should meet, you know, when Christianity is actually legal to celebrate. So like you said, you know, if you're going to go only by scriptural exam examples, the only thing you could do is house church. Mm-hmm. But that's ignoring the 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 elephant in the room of that it was completely illegal to be a Christian during yeah. those two hundred years. Scripture was being written. I did want to bring up too, though, that I, when you're talking about like why so many number of days in the last question, uh, I actually tried to look this up. I was like, there has to be a reason that it's four weeks, and I couldn't find anything. My first guess was something like, okay, well, it's like the four last things because you usually hear that in your know, traditionally like the four last things, heaven, hell and uh, uh death and judgment and it's like is the four last things i was like it's going to be definitely related to that can't find anything i could not find a single reason why it is four weeks i even like when i when i try to look at some of the same stuff you're looking at to where it's talking about like uh, uh advent being from the fourth and sixth century mm -hmm. apparently like it was originally five weeks then but the, the best guess I could find anybody saying is like four is kind of like a month or a season. We have four seasons. And yeah. so like, this is the season of Advent. So I, I did want to throw that in before we moved on to completely away from the, uh, how, why is it so many days, but that's the best I could find for four weeks. Well, there we go. Okay. So next question. Well, I guess kind of similar related to what we just talked about. W one of the things I asked somebody, you know, if they had any questions about Advent. And the response was, honestly, not really, because I don't know anything about Advent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, even though that caught me off guard, even though it shouldn't have, because I came from, a, you know, growing up, I came from a tradition where it was never mentioned at all. You know, the only mention of Advent was in retail stores with Advent calendar, you know? Yeah. So that is, it seems like that is a typical exp a Christian experience now 
in a lot of denominations. So my question is, why do you think a lot of denominations lost Advent? Because I would assume that you, you trace their history back far enough, you're going to find that they celebrate Advent at some point. So why, why did they lose celebrating Advent? I don't know that every tradition would have. I mean, I think the churches that don't celebrate Advent probably don't really celebrate Lent either. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I mean, I didn't even know what a liturgical calendar was, you know, until I was in the tradition that I'm in now. And if I'm honest, it was it wasn't while I was attending. It was when I became staff that I realized what was really driving the ship, right? That there was this thing called the liturgical what? Like I knew that the pyramids changed, but I didn't, so, you know. You think it's um, just it, it's just a byproduct of the Protestant Reformation where we threw a lot of things out that was tradition that would have been seen as Catholic? Well, but I mean, it's always been a part of the Anglican Church, so Anglican I don't know if it was both Protestant and not Protestant. Yes, you know, they, they they're, they're both and neither. Yeah. Right. You know, so, I mean, yeah. And I think because there's a fear, I'll just say there's a fear of the Catholic church. I think, especially in our region, a real misunderstanding of the Catholic church, you know, I mean, even to the point where we've talked about this before, are Catholics even Christian? I mean, what the crap, yeah. but, um, I, I think I that, I think they just wanted to go totally away from anything that yeah. even remotely sniffed of, I mean, that's why the church that I grew up in didn't say the Apostles' Creed. Mm. Yep, that's exactly what I thought as well. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of like, if you're going to start, a lot of people wanted to start their tradition from scratch as much mm -hmm. as possible. possible. And yeah, and, and if you're going to do that, like obviously a tradition of just something like when you're going to celebrate preparing for christmas is not going to be obvious to include so th mm -hmm. that seems obvious as one of the first things that will be dropped so that's not super surprising to me yep so i started thinking about because we were talking about this question or this idea that as foreign as the concept of advent the concept of advent was to me when i first started attending a methodist church i tried to think now how i would feel walking in to a church on the first Sunday in December and it being Christmas, just like bam in my face. Yeah. And I would have a hard time with that now. Mm -hmm. Like I've gotten so used to this preparation and this kind of get easing into this, you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming that I would, I would have a hard, I would have a hard time with that. I think it's, we get used to the traditions we're in, we get comfortable. So then when we start seeing outside traditions, it, it does, it's no longer comfortable. We're uneasy with that now. Now, I have a friend who attends a church that doesn't do Advent, right? They don't do Advent, but they do an Advent wreath kind of thing. They don't call it that in Sunday worship. But every week a family comes and they read something about Christmas and they light a candle every week, but it's not an Advent candle. And I'm like, hmm. it smells like, you know. So do you want a little, like a yeah, do you want like a a little origin history of the Advent wreath? Because I got it handy right here. Do yes, you, you have it handy? I'm, I, I'm, I'm ready for that 
for that question. So the the Advent wreath origin is pre-Christian, Germany and Scandinavia. The people gathered to celebrate the return of the sun after the winter solstice. The circular wreath made of evergreens with four candles represented the circle of the year and the life that endures through the winter. As the days grew longer, people lit the candles to offer thanks to the sun god for light. For us, lighting the advent candle represents the promise of Jesus, the light of the world. So, you know, it's one of those pagan things we, we took and we right. reinterpreted it to be Christian. We baptized it. Yeah. We did. Which, we, yeah. we whitewashed it. I mean, that's that's what happens. I feel like the uh, evergreen stuff, that, that almost anything related to that yeah. is coming from Christmas kind of trees Scandinavian as well. Yule log stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which but I, I also wonderful. don't think that's, yeah, I don't think <laughs> that's great. necessarily bad because like right. there's a St. Augustine quote that says like, you know, anything that's good, you know, is Christian. Yep. Being that, you know, anything that like is not inherently bad can be used for good. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, if it, there's nothing wrong with lighting a candle on a wreath. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something wrong with it if you say like, oh, this represents, you know, like this to a pagan god, god uh, Odin <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Right. But no, okay, well, why instead of lighting it to pagan god Odin, why don't you light it to, you know, the light of the world, Jesus Christ? Or okay, yeah, we can do that, can't we? Yeah, and that's good. Your camera. What happened to up. you? <laughs> Your perspective changed. He got so worked up. I was going to silently fix it until you said something. Nope. You know, I had to point fine. it out. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So, yeah. So, I do think, I mean, with the Advent camp, I mean, we've had different years that we've had an Advent candle, uh, a wreath at home. We don't this year. Um, last year we did. Last year, our church was shut down for COVID. We were totally remote. And so every night of Advent, um, we had a recording of scripture, someone in the church reading scripture, and there was something powerful about sitting at our wreath, lighting the candle, knowing that everybody in our church, well, I mean, not everybody, because, you know, let's know, but that the opportunity was there for all of us to be listening to scripture being read at the same time around our wreath that was really powerful. And because we weren't doing that this year, I didn't put our wreath up because I didn't want it just to be just a decoration, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so thought I'd share that too. So I guess moving into the Advent wreath, Advent candles, here's a question about that. Why is the color purple and the color pink represented not only in the candles, but in our liturgical vestments and stuff during this time Why it could be blue it could be it blue could be as well purple or blue anglican apparently is more blue in in europe in the methodist church we can choose if we wear purple or blue can you choose here's a question can you choose on the third sunday of advent to do pink or purple do you have a choice there is it always pink or it's always purple it's rose, thank you. Yeah, Whatever. it's rose, for Virgin <laughs> Mary. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we don't. If if I was in my robe and stole, mm -hmm. which I don't use much at all, I worked really hard to be able to do those because 
believe it or not, in the Methodist church, you have to earn the right to wear certain vestments. Um, so you have to work really hard to get those. But um, I don't have a pink, a pink stole. So I would wear purple or right. blue. So what about the Catholic church? Do you have pink? Yep. Third okay. Sunday's pink. Yeah. Okay. But purple so, in general. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to mention last year, last year would have been the first advent that I actually witnessed in the Episcopal church and it was purple. And I was kind of surprised by that. I was like, the candle's pink. Why, why are we not doing pink here? And I thought that pink was the normal colors. So I'm guessing in the Episcopal church, it's more of a t decision. It may be a really practical thing Yeah. in that vestments are incredibly expensive. Like yeah. I'm not going to spend $400 on a stole, which is honestly what they can cost right. to wear one Sunday a month. Right. Or one Sunday I'm 99.9% 9 sure that I heard uh, one of our previous pastors mention exactly that, that he was lucky to have a pink stole because a lot of people didn't have that and didn't yeah. have the ability to do that. So I think they're like there's the the practicality of it like brooks mentioning like if you don't have that you know like it's not like well mass is canceled i don't have the right colors to wear like you can wear a purple one if that's all you have type thing. Mm -hmm. yeah like i'm not sure why they're so expensive and to be honest i wouldn't have nearly as many as i did if aaron and i didn't happen to walk into cokesbury which is a bookstore and they are go they were going out of business and they had marked everything down to like 90% off and we bought them all hmm. like all of them even before we were allowed to wear them they hung in our closet for years before we were allowed because but we were on the ordination track and so we knew it'd be years before we could legally wear them but we also knew we couldn't afford them so What, what about yeah, symbolism? Why purple then? Yeah. Yeah. Why purple? Royalty. Yeah. Yep. The king is coming. Royalty. The king is coming. We're preparing for the king. And you said pink represents Mary, right? That's always been my understanding. Yeah. Now on Christmas or Christmas Eve, the pyramids will be white. Yep. Because yep. it's a holy day. Exactly. Um, so, and then we'll wear white throughout the season of Christmas. And then and the ordinary time is green, green. But because of Kermit the Frog. Memes. Growth. Right, Kermit the Frog growth. <laughs> so one year, so I can't remember, one year for, I didn't have a white stole yet. And so Aaron and I were robed up. And so we were probably broke. We're probably going to go to hell for this. But uh, he wore green and I wore red or vice versa. So we were Christmassy. Oh, but um, but he, didn't want, he didn't <laughs> want to wear white because I didn't have white. And so, you know, so that's, that, that's what we did. So then I had a very nice lady make me a white stole. There we go. She came to a service that day and she's like, That's right. whoa, what is <laughs> Never again. <We're> not... <laughs> yeah. So it's the stole I wear for weddings and high holy days and funerals and all that kind of stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Here is another question. Do you think that churches that celebrate Advent 
do you think there is an overemphasis of Advent without the understanding of Advent? So you mean, do we celebrate it without explaining it? Yes. That's, I would say yes. I mean, I think, I think we've done that with lots of traditions mm-hmm. through the years. Yes. Um, I think that's why you see this huge push for contemporary or yeah. non-traditional worship is because the traditions were empty and hollow um, because it was just things that people did without understanding it. Yeah. Um, so, so I would say it can be, I think I can only speak from, from my experience. Aaron and I never assume that people know what we're doing like before any high holy day before any season we talk about it i mean and people probably get tired of hearing it but we talk about it really ad nauseum because it's important for us to people not just to go through the motions yeah i I think you nailed it it's not just advent that's the problem yes people have don't explain advent as well as we should but it's literally you know any tradition christmas itself even like other traditions that are embraced by all of christianity i don't think that we explain that as well Mm -hmm. as we should have because people still like focus so much on the commercial side of it i don't think that's deniable in the least but you know lent Christmas, Easter, anything you can think of that, that we focus on the liturgical calendar is under-explained through catechesis 100%. I, I, I definitely would, would agree with that. I would even say things like why we do certain things during the communion liturgy or how we approach oh, yeah. the altar. I mean, there are some very specific things that people do because they've seen it done that way their whole lives or whatever, and they don't understand why they do it that way you know, um, or why certain things are said or read or, you know, and I I put the blame on clergy, right? I put the blame on clergy um, because they didn't take the time to explain it well enough or want to. I I think you put the blame blame on clergy because you're clergy, but I put the blame on non-clergy because clergy can't explain everything to everybody. And so That's we true. as families should be explaining stuff to our children. We should be explaining stuff to those in our Sunday school classes. And it's not, clergy can't talk to everybody individually. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But it only takes a second sometimes to explain things. You know, I mean, when you've got people decorating the church in certain colors and certain things, it's a great opportunity to say, Hey, y'all know why we do this, right? <laughs> you know. Um, so, from from my experience, at least from the the Episcopal part of Advent, they do a good job, at least St. Thomas does, of offering services that explain things. But I think the 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 key here is it's usually outside of your normal worship service. It's at a different time. It might be before. Sunday service, it might be after, it might be a different day, but it's a service that offers the the meaning. Like the, we had a, an a Advent like candle service where we're going through all the symbolism, right? And that's wonderful. It's educational, right? But that means the onus is then on the parishioners 
to actually go to these services that's not your normal worship service and learn about it. And if you're not, then that's on you, right? So I, I believe- To a point, yeah. Right, so I, I believe that, it, like this Sunday, for example, there is going to be a service on the lessons and carols. So it's basically the origin of Christmas carols, which I, I in 2019, I believe, y'all have been 2019, I attended one of those wonderful like because i didn't know really the origin of christmas carols or why we sing them and that's what that's all about but again you have to have that initiative to go to another service <laughs> and so like I, I, that's why i was going to say to a point because i feel like uh, you know coming into the catholic church we went through rcia which forces you to go through a year worth of classes you know every week at least and you go through the whole liturgical year seeing how you're supposed to live as you know a catholic but the the idea is you know if you're not you know, converting to Catholicism, you should have learned this growing up as, you know, catechists and, you know, growing up through Sunday school and stuff like that. And I think that's where we miss a lot is like the lived experience is not passed on like it should be from, you know, like I said, you know, the domestic church or from Sunday school or from these people, like you just going through day to day, that's where it becomes like the going through the motions stuff is because you just do it without somebody explaining it to you. So Aaron and I have, (laughs) this is terrible. We use a confirmation curriculum with all different age groups. Like if we're asked to come in and teach a class, we'll ask for a certain number of weeks and we go, we, we consolidate it, you know, but we try to hit all the main points because what we're finding is adults, no matter their age, right? No matter their age, um, have never heard some of this stuff or they went through confirmation when they were 12 and they don't remember it anymore or they remember snippets you know I mean most of us don't remember anything of when we were 12 except that it was a very awkward age right um so so I agree I said I think it's a continuous process and there's things that I learn every year when we go through the liturgical calendar about different things about what's going on um in that time frame so yeah and then I think that's one of the great things about it advent is it brings us back to kind of like the basics because like you know you mentioned last week the second sunday is john the baptist sunday he brings you back to the basics of the basics he eats you know wild honey and locusts he doesn't focus on anything other than what the message is and so like no matter how long you've been a christian no matter how long you've been in your current tradition there's stuff you probably need to be reminded of and we need to be reminded of it constantly and that's the greatness of you know the liturgical calendar in general because it repeats these basic things every year and the greatness of advent in general because it is the start it returns you to the basic of the basics and yeah that i love i love that Mm -hmm. okay good stuff one final question i think can wrap us up for tonight Uh and this, this is a pretty good one what is the earliest and or fondest memory you have of Advent? And I'll go first, because I already know the answer. So my earliest, and I guess it would be my fondest since it's the earliest, is when I we were members of the Presbyterian Church. And that's when I really got introduced to Advent, using the word in church and... I think it it may have been part of like hanging of the greens service, or it may have been just part of a Sunday service in general. But I remember them talking about the Advent wreath and the candles, and then the candles, what they meant. 
So once I started to get introduced to the symbolism of these things, these things that I've seen before, mm-hmm. I, I've probably seen them in, in retail stores. I just didn't know anything Christian that they meant. So once I, once I got introduced to that and I would have been a young adult, you know, 20, probably around 19, 20 years old when uh, we joined the Presbyterian church, that is my earliest and fondest memory of Advent. It's just the introduction of what Advent means symbolically to the church. Hmm. I don't know. I have some pretty fond memories of Advent. Um, so Abby, as a kid, as a little kid, was always infatuated with our nativity set. So the baby Jesus, right? Like it's kind of a running joke in our family that she broke more baby Jesuses than we could find to replace. And we've had to ditch many nativity sets because we lost baby Jesus. And, you know, I mean, it was week one year, like we put the nativity set underneath the tree and we woke up to Abby laying there with her little finger on Jesus's hand. And, you know, she was holding baby Jesus. How do you fuss at a kid for wanting to have baby Jesus? I mean, you, you can't tell her quick touch it, baby Jesus, you know, I mean, you just can't do that. So I thought I'd be cute the next year and not put any of the baby Jesus's out in our nativities and wait to Christmas day. And she was heartbroken, like absolutely heartbroken. And so I thought, you know, okay, so in Advent, it's not just about the preparation for baby Jesus, but about Jesus coming again. And so having, getting to have that conversation with her and just watching her being loved with baby Jesus, um, it's probably my favorite Advent memory is just having that conversation with her about what Advent is, and um, but I, I have a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot that goes on in Advent, and so yeah, I, I, I agree with that too. I have a lot too, and like I don't want to go with like recency bias, but I do think we, we've been doing a chapter of Luke every night for Advent so far, and it has been pretty amazing how much you know, like your younger kids can pick up on you know, seven and five-year-olds even, like the nine-year-old obviously picks up on a decent amount, but the the younger two too are still, what the questions I'll ask about after each chapter, it's pretty impressive. But I, I still think my fondest memory is kind of like, and I know I've harped on this hymn a lot during our talks on Advent, but O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, like realizing mm-hmm. the history behind that and how old that actually dates back to. Like when you realize that when you're singing that, you're singing the same things that you know, they said it, you know, Vinny, Vinny, Emmanuel, whatever in Latin, but whatever. They, they, these are the same words that somebody said, you know, 1500 years ago. That's pretty crazy when you think about that. These people were saying, you know, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O come, Jesus again, that long ago. It puts yourselves in the same shoes as, you know, the Christian faith over the ages. That's pretty uh, impressive to me when that first hit. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love church traditions when they are celebrated full of meaning empty traditions just to be checking them off your list to say that you've done them to you know that that's my issue with traditions yeah um but but literally christ himself said exactly what you're saying yeah (laughs) you know i mean so it, it is a powerful moment 
So you don't consider Christmas Eve part of Advent, um, but I have some some very favorite moments of Christmas Eve services um, that just are, are chilling to me um, to think about. And can't wait. It's my favorite service of the year. Agreed. Mine too. I love what I'm, I'm an Easter vigil. It's my Easter number vigil. one. It's hard to beat yeah. that out. But yeah, it Christmas is, Eve is. is my second favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said, though, Boeing. The being able to trace your traditions back to the historical church. I love that. I love that about the Episcopal Church that I can, that you, it can be traced back to the Anglican Church of England and trace that back to the, the, the apostles. Love it. And it just, it's so powerful and meaningful to be in a tradition that you can do that. So, and I think what it reminds us is that it's not all about us. It's not all about us. It's not all about today. It's not all about this generation, that it is about this history that God has walked through us, you know, with us, with us yeah. being humanity, you know, um, for me, that's hugely comforting to know that it's not just about today. I love that too, because we always want to put like, you know, like this is the generation that Christ comes back. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe it is, but maybe it's not too, because like, right. you know, we, we could also just be the same thing as the past, you know, a hundred generations that have been mm -hmm. in Christianity. And we, so we should be prepared like it could be, but we'd also should be prepared like it's not as well. So we mm -hmm. have to kind of take it from both ways, the same way that Christians for the past 2000 years have done. So Stacy, early on, you ask a question and I've, I've had a thought that I need to go back and revisit. Okay. You ask us why Advent was important uh -huh. to us or something like that. So when I think about the kingdom of God coming, the, the return of Christ, I think about the, the times that Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, you know, and the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom, you know, and I think early on in my Christian understanding i thought he always meant about his second coming right like the, but i've come to understand that there are breaking ends of god's kingdom here on earth now and advent makes me look for those moments but it reminds me of that it reminds me that god is with us in today yesterday and tomorrow right and and it makes me look for those moments so that's one of the things that i appreciate about advent Love it. And I watched a video recently and I, I forget, I forget who, who of it, it was, but they were kind of explaining the, the meaning of Advent and they were comparing it to Lent. And they said, you know, during Lent, the focus primarily is an inner focus, dealing with our own sins, fasting, you know, and then preparing, we're preparing us for the death and resurrection of Christ. Right. But it, there's a lot of inner focus in Lent, whereas with Advent, it's outer it's cosmic. It's world. There's a lot of world language. It's about mm -hmm. the sin of the world and the darkness of the world and that Jesus is the one little light that comes and fixes all of these issues that the world has. So I just, I love that imagery that Advent is about the world. It's a worldwide church. It is a global church. It is a historical church and it I think it puts us in perspective that we should be in. 
forever. And it's and interesting. Like Brooke said, the, the feast before Advent starts, Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Chris the King. It's, it's that, yeah. yeah. It's cosmic. That his, exactly. So, and it's interesting to me that we start the Christian New Year not looking at our own personal sin, right? Mm -hmm. But we look at the world. Yep. And then as we go through these periods of time, it becomes more and more focused on right. us. And then we turn back, Yeah. you know, inward, Which, outward. I think shows you that, yeah, you can, like, there should be a personal part of, of Christianity for you. Salvation Absolutely. should be personal, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, and I think this is what the Bible is primarily focusing on, it's focusing on the cosmic, the overarching sin. It's the both think, end. That's what Christianity yeah. both always end. is. It's the, the both, both end. It's end. not one yes. pitted against the other, right. but it's this, you know, the cosmic sin exists because of the individual sin. Right. It's not, you can't, they're not contradictory. Right. Yeah. You can't do away with one and not the other. Yeah. You know, so, so it's a both end, you know, because I think it, it's, it's almost heretical to, to, to dive it, to, to divide those apart. Right. Like, it, it, it is. It's not no, you know, almost. It <laughs> actually, um, you're right. It actually is. Um, so I think we have to be careful, you know, and I think I mentioned this before, we don't want to talk about sin during Advent or people don't want to talk about it during this time because they want to focus on baby Jesus and it makes yeah. us uncomfortable. Right. Um, but the reason we need baby Jesus is because of sin. So it, Amen. 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 Well, that is a great place to end us. That was a great discussion. I, I love these type of formats for Kingdom Living, the question and answers. So we need to come up with more ideas too. And, you know, if any, anybody has any ideas of questions and answers, you just throw us any question really, and we'll answer it at some point. But I love these type of formats. So we'll, we'll try to, you know, keep it in this realm. But that will do us for now. So happy Advent season, peace be to you, and have a good night. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope you got some enjoyment out of the podcast this week. Remember to check out our website, www.appalachianenergy.com, and follow us on all of our social medias. If you want an easy way to support us, though, make sure to subscribe to our channels and like our videos on YouTube. Also, join our email list for updates and let us know how we're doing. See you next week, everyone. Appalachian Liturgy Podcast is a JRS Studios production.